For some reason, the field hands are baffled that there are weeds among the crops. Clearly, we are in a parabolic garden, not a real one. From my experience of gardening, weeds are the most likely thing to happen. They'll surprise no one. But the field is the world, and the good crops and the weeds point toward people, those who are good and who bring forth good, and those who don't. How did they get here? How did we get here, for being honest? A full accounting for evil requires far more than a sermon can provide, and in this preacher's defense, Jesus himself simplifies it. An enemy has done this. There's more to be said. We'll leave that at that for the moment. Things are amiss in this world and in us, and if weeds surprise the farmhands, we should look at ourselves and at our world with a more discerning perspective. The parable takes another surprising turn. If they're weeds, the field hands are ready to deal with the problem. I've spent enough time in gardens and flower beds to know if you leave weeds alone, they're going to choke out, cover over, and outproduce whatever you planted. Best to get rid of them and get out there and start pulling weeds sooner rather than later. Wait. The owner says, you might pull up seedlings or disrupt good roots. When harvest comes, it will be obvious what has produced good, wholesome fruit and what is noxious and useless. God's patience is surprising and sometimes even frustrating. Why would you let the weeds grow? Well, weeds don't produce tomatoes and kudzu is going to take over the field. So again, we're not talking about agriculture but about the human community and God's abiding love for each of us and for all of us. In another agricultural parable, Jesus describes someone who wants to cut down a fig tree that isn't producing figs. No wait, they say, give it sufficient fertilizer, water, and more time in the sun. When we're too quick to render a final judgment on someone, to hell with you we want to say, Remember the parable of the prodigal son, the welcoming father, and the angry elder brother. He had no use for the father's mercy or his wasteful brother. Patience seems to be God's way with us and with these other people too, and becomes a firm basis for hope when we know ourselves in need of repentance and renewal. But Jesus isn't done disrupting things yet. Those angels at the end of the interpretation of the parable, we don't expect those either. We like Christmas pageant angels with tinsel halos and cardboard wings, but these are apocalyptic, sword-wielding, punishment-executing sort of angels. This is not the only parable in Matthew's gospel that ends with a clear and defining separation. So we need to square Christian hope with these angels sent out to the harvest. But it's not just the parables that have this disconcerting image. The creeds, we don't say them here, but you know they're from other services or in the prayer book, you can find them. The creeds insist that Christ is in glory and from there he will come to judge the living and the dead. Hope stands before the image of Christ as redeemer, friend, teacher, healer, but also judge. It's actually a far less extreme or daunting image than we might first think. 
The creeds only get to Christ as a judge after remembering who Christ is and what he has done for us. This is not a vindictive tyrant anxious to find some infraction of a convoluted or arbitrary standards. The one who judges knows and loves us, knows and understands our lives, our journeys far better than we. Wait, the landowner says, until it's all clear, until we know how it's all turned out. When we're discontented with our own life, when we're asking questions about our life, we're actually standing in light of that final judgment already. And if we now begin to understand what in us needs to change, grow, mature, turn more deeply towards Christ, and we see that bring us to deeper joy, we have nothing to fear from standing in Christ's judgment. We're already there, and it leads us to life. The parable ends with a promise that might be as unexpected as those other terms. We're talking about far more than agricultural produce here. But we're talking about how each of us, how humanity, as surely as fields are planted for a purpose, we are created for a future. We are meant for glory. This may be as confusing. We stand in the middle moment between seed time and harvest. But the parable ends, then the righteous will shine like suns in the kingdom of the Father. Let anyone with ears listen. That is where Jesus intends to see each of us shining like suns. Wherever we stand, no matter how hard or confusing the moment, we are aimed towards God's own future. And it is brighter and more joyful than anything we can imagine to shine like the sun. Weeds, I can expect that. But God's glory reflected in and through us, that is grace and gift and gospel news that gives us reason to hope. The parables and our gracious God are always upending our expectations, giving far more than we can ask or imagine.